Department of Disability and Aging Services Commission meeting of Wednesday, September 1st, 2021 to order. I'm, I'm the DOS Commission Vice President Janet Spears. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to provisions of the Brown Act and recent executive orders issued by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmissions at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor's executive order has suspended those rules. The executive order does require that we continue to notice meetings in advance. The department has met all of the applicable notice requirements. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 26, and they may offer public comment for calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on SFGovTV. The commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate, to eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco Human Services and DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in this territory, traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Secretary, please take the roll. And thank you, Vice President Spears. We'll begin with uh, yourself, Vice President Spears, present? Present. Wonderful. President Martha Knudsen is absent today. Uh, Commissioner Sasha Bittner? Present. Thank you very much. Commissioner Wander Jung? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Michelle Carrington? I believe she is also absent today. Commissioner Nelson Lum? also absent today, and Commissioner Barbara Sklar. Present. Thank you. And DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman is present. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, Vice President Spears, we have a quorum. Thank you very much. I believe the next item is for you to read. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. <laughs> Commissioners, the next item is item three, communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both Channel 26 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone call. 
During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-655-0001 using access code 1460186577 pound and then pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television radio. Or radio, I'm sorry. You will have three minutes to speak, and you will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you will be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to myself, jasmine.bello at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there any other communications from the DOS commission members? And if there isn't, we can move on to the next item. Great. Thank you, Jasmine. Commissioners, your next item on the agenda is item four, approving the minutes of Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021, and Friday, July 16th, 2021, DOS Commission minutes. Are there any comments or questions for the commission regarding the June 2nd, 2021, or July 16th, 2021, DOS Commission minutes? Um, I don't see anyone raising their hand, so I will continue. Um, by, um, I will call um, on commissioners in that. Sorry, I'm, I'm doing my part. <laughs> I think That's it is your right. part. I think it's my turn now. Okay, not is, a problem. Part, um, the secretary to ask Thank her. you. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. And do we have any callers in the queue, moderator? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. And with no callers in the queue, we can move on to the next item. Sure. Hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve the June 2nd, 2021 and the July 16th, 2021 DOS Commission minutes? So moved. Um, so, uh, Commissioner Scalar moves and Commissioner Young seconds. Madam Secretary, please take the roll vote to approve the June 2nd, 2021 DOS and June 16th, 2021 Commission minutes. Okay, and Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? We did not hear you. Could you raise your hand if, oh. Okay, she said yes. Yes, okay, there it is. Thank you. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. And with that, there's a unanimous vote. Thank you. 
Commissioners, item five is the executive director report. Executive Director Kelly Dearman is here and ready to give her report. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Commissioner. Um, happy September, everyone. I will start with the um, federal updates. Last Tuesday, the House passed the 3.5 trillion, that's with a T, budget resolution approved by the Senate earlier this month. Now the various Senate and House committees will work on what is being referred to as the human infrastructure package within their individual jurisdictions. The House is trying to conclude its committee work on the legislation by September 15th with the goal of voting on the package along with the bipartisan infrastructure bill by its own September 27th deadline. The final legislation will then move through the budget reconciliation process, meaning it can pass with a simple majority in the Senate. U.S. Aging, formerly known as N4A, is focusing its priority within the reconciliation package on securing $400 billion for Medicaid home and community-based services and shoring up the direct care workforce that provides those essential services. So advocacy efforts are now are on. In addition to these items, something else very exciting happened at the federal level. Currently, there's a proposed federal legislation for the Elder Justice Reauthorization and Modern Modernization Act of 2021. Studies estimate that one in 10 Americans over the age of 60 have experienced some form of elder abuse. Elder, the Elder Justice Act, EJA, was originally enacted as part of the Affordable Care Act. The programs designed as part of the act were created to address the need for prevention, detection, and treatment of abuse of older adults and people with disabilities and work in tandem with adult protective services. Since then, Elder Justice Act programs have been chronically unfunded or underfunded. Then in December 2020, Congress, for the first time, provided significant funding for the program and then invested in these programs again in the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, appropriating about $276 million. Now, the Elder Justice Reauthorization and Modernization Act of 2021 proposes dedicated funding for a range of services that the Office of Community Partnerships support, as well as funding to support APS operations. <coughs> Excuse me. Additionally, there is funding earmarked for staff who work in long-term care settings. Specifically, the legislation directly appropriates a substantial invest investment of $4 billion for new and existing Elder Justice Act programs and activities through fiscal year 2025. Um, these programs include $1.6 billion for a new post-acute and long-term care worker recruitment and retention program, $1.4 billion for APS functions and grant programs, $172.5 million for long-term care ombudsman program grants and training, $500 million for supporting linkages to legal services and medical legal partnerships and $250 million to address social isolation and loneliness. So I'll keep you updated as that progresses. On the state level, I know that we provided you with most of the budget updates at the state level, but there's one thing that I want to highlight. Um, CDA is also hosting a series of webinars to gather stakeholder feedback on what they're referring to as a hugs and spokes model of care. 
The vision is to have easily accessible hubs for services to provide the public with information, planning, and care coordination that's person-centered and culturally responsive. And then spokes to connect people to a range of community, health, and other critical partners. The hope is to have hubs and spokes in every community to help people navigate and access choices in order to remain in the community. There is definitely opportunity given the potential resources at the state and federal level levels. Uh, the webinars are being hosted by the California Commission on Aging. And we believe this is something Shireen, we miss Shireen, originally introduced based on our own hub model at Two Gop Street. So that's pretty exciting. On the local level, some local updates. The BIPOC work that our planning team has been doing along with many, many staff is going to a close. The focus of the work has been to identify areas of need within BIPOC communities, particularly in the context of consumer engagement or lack of consumer engagement within DOS services. It has been a series of focus groups with five populations, Asian, Black African American, Latinx, Pacific Islander, and LGBTQ plus people of color. The teams are finished with the listening sessions and planning is starting to put together the report. This work is really a kickoff to the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment, which is also happening this year. On a broader note, but also related to the people we serve, the city is looking at how to get supplemental shots out into the community. Currently, supplemental vaccinations, that would be third doses of the mRNA, Pfizer, or Moderna, are only available to people who are immunocompromised and meet specific criteria. The recommendation is that people should first consult with their healthcare provider about their medical condition and whether getting an additional dose is appropriate and safe for them. San Francisco is not providing second doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, as these have not been approved by the FDA or the CDC. However, San Francisco Department of Health sites are providing a dose of mRNA vaccine for patients who receive a single J&J dose and whose physicians recommend it. For the non-immunocompromised population, supplemental doses will be available after September 19th. The recommend, recommendation for rollout is eight months after an individual's first shot. There's not word at the present time as to whether there will be mass sites or clinics available. It's obviously a work in progress and we'll keep you posted um, once we hear anything. Finally, I think our biggest update is that the city is returning to returning to work, and meaning returning to the actual buildings on November 1st, now that the FDA has approved the vaccine. The city, uh, the city is requiring all city employees to get vaccinated. It will definitely reflect the new norm and be a hybrid model with people coming into the office at 40% time. This is about two days per week. Um, HSA has held a town hall. We held a town hall meeting last week, giving staff the opportunity to voice concerns and ask questions. There were over 1,000 people on the call with over 200 questions that we tried to address. And we did the format a little differently and it was Trent and I who were doing all of the talking. Uh, the focus now is getting everyone vaccinated. The feeling is that with San Francisco's high vaccination rates with and with masking, it's safe to reopen. Reopen, 
Within San Francisco, 71% are fully vaccinated across all ages. Just so you know, as a side note, if San Francisco was a country, we'd be the second most fully vaccinated place in the world. Each program has their own reopening plan and directors are working with their staff to answer questions and roll out their plans. Lastly, I wanna give you a save the date for an event happening in October. As you know, there have been many bills and budget items at the state level in support of the master plan for aging. Locally, there will be a town hall event on October 26th, focusing on the city prioritizing policies to end homeless among older adults and people with disabilities and prioritizing services that help prevent homelessness within these populations. We will make sure that you all get um, invited to this event. And that is all I have for now. Thank you. Thank you, Executive Director Dearman. Um, are there any- the next, uh, um, Thank you for that uh, comprehensive report and thank you so much for all the money that's coming from the federal government and hopefully that will all get approved um, as it comes and flows down to it. So uh, next item. Yes, commissioners. The next item is item six, the DOS employee recognition, executive director Dearman, vice president Spears, and the DOS commission will honor Sarah. Now, Sarah, I'm trying not to butcher your last name. I am seeing Hofferberg. I hope I said that right, but please correct us if I did not. And she's from the DOS office. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> the DOS Office of Community Partnerships. And uh, Executive Director Dearman, please feel free to take it away. Great. Um, so I'm super excited um, to um, honor and recognize uh, Sarah Hofferberg as the Employer of the Month. Sarah has proven herself to be an immensely valuable and integral part of the Office of Community Partnerships team. She has consistently and enthusiastically taken on any task that comes her way. She relishes the opportunity to learn new things. Sarah has a commitment and passion to serve older adults and adults with disabilities, as well as all disenfranchised populations. She has a wealth of ideas and is always willing to share and also listen to other ideas. During the pandemic, as a training coordinator, Sarah has been highly responsive to training that is needed, including developing a monthly training with Dr. Anna Chodos, a response to AAPI safety concerns, various subjects throughout the pandemic, and overall willingness to participate and, co and coordinate any training that crosses her path. In addition, Sarah holds the ADRC contracts and has been instrumental in coordinating their efforts, offering support and suggestions throughout the pandemic. She also is innovated in her approach and her suggestion. For example, working with a specific community provider to better identify training needs in the community and develop a scope that addresses that rather than the status quo. Over the past several months, Sarah has been on the aging and disability friendly role while the analyst for that effort is out. She's taken that on. Sarah has taken it on full force and is an integral part of keeping the ADF going. She has exceptional skill at working with all levels with her fellow OCP members from the community to the ED and deputies and all of her supervisors, as well as the other directors and managers. Her relationship and reputation with the community is stellar. She is well-respected within OCP and DOS, as well as the broader community. We are very fortunate to have Sarah as part of the OCP DOS team. 
And personally, I've had several meetings with Sarah since I started, and it is always a pleasure. She's full of energy and enthusiasm and ideas, and I look forward to continuing this working relationship. So congratulations to you, Sarah, on this well-deserved honor. Oh, thank you so much, Kelly. That was so nice. Um, I'm actually blushing, which is not a normal occurrence for me. Um, I just have to say, I have absolutely loved working with DOS. It's my favorite job I've ever had. And a huge part of that is not only just the amazing people I work with and working with um, a team that is just so supportive from my co-analysts and my supervisors, uh, the deputy directors, director, everyone is um, so incredibly supportive and thoughtful and passionate about the work that we're doing. And it's just such a pleasure working with DOS and OCP because of that. And, um, you know, I'm a person with a reputation for strong opinions um, and it's just fantastic working in a place where those like opinions and ideas are not only heard, but I'm encouraged to keep voicing them. So <laughs> I appreciate it. And thank you, everyone. Uh, this really means a lot. And I'm very touched. Thank you. On behalf of the commission, Sarah, the one thing I, I in my prep, I wanted to do, I wanted to understand, because this is quite frankly, my favorite part of the commission meeting is seeing the people who actually work it, work um, for the city and county and in this department. And the and the word that was used to describe you is she's all in. She's all in and, and giving your, your best every day. And uh, so on behalf of the commission, thank you so much for the work that you do. Um, uh, we are nothing without the employees that are, are giving their all to the community and uh, lifting up the voices that uh, are not heard every day. So on behalf of the commission, thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind. Thanks. Yay. Any other comments from commissioners? Uh, so if not, um, Madam Secretary, uh, next item. Indeed. Commissioners, the next item is item seven, the advisory council report. And that will be presented by the Advisory Council President, Diane Lawrence. Good morning, and I'd like to take the opportunity to also congratulate Kelly. We've worked with her on some joint training, and she's just been a, a wonderful partner. And it's always so upbeat, which um, even, especially during the pandemic. So um, I'm glad to see her recognized. And I agree with you, um, Vice President uh, Spear, this is my favorite part because we learn about what goes on in the department at, at the desk level. And I find that very informative. So um, I'm gonna cover two advisory council meetings since the commission did not meet um, in August. So I thought I'd just combine it all into one report. Um, so there was an action item from the July meeting, which uh, we sent out, which was to identify those supervisors <clears throat> who have in their districts um, no rep do not have not appointed a representative. And um, I have some good news to report. I think keeping my fingers crossed. Um, we the work continues. We did send up out a follow up email and um, to the board members without um, membership. And we spent a lot of time at our August meeting discussing how to proceed. And I want to thank Jasmine for handling those for us. 
they did elicit some response, um, even though the board is in recess. So um, the, um, we've got two supervisors who have responded to us. Um, that one, they will be getting back to us. That's um, Supervisor Preston will be getting back to us in September. Uh, and one of the council members will be reaching out to his office as a follow-up. They used to serve, uh, represent that district um, under Supervisor Brown. Um, we have an appointment with um, the chief of staff of uh, Supervisor Walton's office on September 9th that Jasmine's helped us coordinate. So we are making some progress there. We will also, um, when we had our discussion last month, we um, came up with a series of questions that we're going to survey, have the advisory councils, members who represent districts, and where we can assign uh, members who are commission appointees but reside in a particular district um, to just get, get some information on who handles the disability and aging services issues for that office so that we have a point of contact if there's some advocacy work, there's something we want to fill them in on and begin that dialogue back and forth. Um, mention any nutrition sites in their neighborhoods uh, where there's um, office hours, newsletter, town hall meetings, if they'd like us involved at all. Um, if there's an agenda, you know, how do we get on it? Um, and then um, include invite any of their point people to our meetings um, if possible. So I think we're, um, we're making progress. Um, and as I say, we've assigned out most of the um, offices and I've detailed office by office in my report. So you'll have that. Um, we still haven't heard from um, Supervisor Safai, um, we, nor Supervisor Ronan, but one of the commission, one of the council members knows the, um, the supervisor, Supervisor Ronan, and they will be reaching out to her. They volunteered to do that. Uh, and we have a possible, uh, we had a guest from uh, District 7, Supervisor Melgar's office, attend our last meeting, but the supervisor um, has responded to one of her constituents that sits on our council, and they have a uh, potential candidate, and our council member will be uh, meeting with the supervisor in the potential council meeting council member um, this month. So hopefully in October we'll have some more to report, but I, I feel like we're making progress. And the best news is our super, our representative in District 8 has been reappointed, was reappointed on July 27th. We just hadn't been told, and their term will end in 2023. So we're getting there. Um, we still have two commission uh, vacancies, uh, but again, we have potential candidates. Um, and we may well uh, submit the name of the attendee of our last meeting who had a lot of interest and um, we didn't scare away at, at the meeting. So um, in our July meeting, we talked about the cost of doing business. Some questions have come up at the last Dig Dignity um, Fund Oversight Committee and Deputy Director um, Cindy Kaufman was with us and explained in detail how the funding um, for the Dignity Fund and how the cost of doing business fits in. And that was really helpful, I think, to level set all of us. Um, also, uh, 
one of the points that came up at that oversight meeting was the importance of advocacy and how well they had that had worked this year. Um, I think every one of us on the council had reached out to our supervisors to say, please, you know, bring back funding. Um, in July, the LGBTQ plus older community survey, which I've mentioned in the last couple of months, uh, was completed. That report's available on the SAGE website, but we have copies if any of you would like, would like a copy, just let Jasmine know and we'll make sure you get very thorough, very um, well done report and surveys. Um, they were basically the background, the LGBT task force from 2012 had issued a report, 12 recommendations, nine have been implemented. And the group kind of got back together and said, what do we do during COVID? And that sparked this work. Um, there are two um, programs that have already received funding of $900,000. Um, and these were the areas with the largest gaps, mental health um, services, via telehealth for the BIPOC um, community, AIDS survivors and trans gender non-conforming communities. That'll be done in collaboration with this, with Curry Senior Center and individual and group um, counseling along with services for to address the digital divide uh, for LGBTQ plus adults. Um, in our, at our August meeting, Dr. Marcy Edelman mentioned that the DPH will be um, audited on sexual orientation sexual or gender, uh, gender identification data or SOGI data, um, which has been um, supposed to have been collected. Um, it's required to be collected um, in the city and is now spread statewide, but for a lot of um, reasons, discomfort, funding, all it has not been um, done. The only department that currently collects the data consistently is DOS. And then uh, Dr. Edelman also announced that Dr. Kathleen Sullivan had been appointed the executive director of Open House. And um, Dr. Sullivan comes with experience in intergenerational housing in Los Angeles and Oregon. Um, the, um, we continue our site visit discussion. We thought we had a way forward and then the Delta variant hit. So we're still discussing um, how we're gonna proceed. And I'm sure we'll continue that at our September 15th meeting. Um, and there are more details in the report. Um, the senior housing ad hoc group um, gave an update, um, the first look at their report, uh, which they've entitled, if you don't have a home, you don't get services, addressing the unmet needs of seniors and uh, disabled homeless. And that quote came from an interviewee um, the, um, both reports members were sent in advance and were well prepared when we came to the meeting. Um, they began, um, one of the, they interviewed a variety of agencies. Um, they also looked, uh, at the coalition of homeless report on stop the revolving door and the find their findings centered on, um, aging disabled communities and sh shelters. For example, sleeping arrangements, the needs of older adults and the disabled in terms of beds and um, all of that. Services and shelters, training on aging and disabled persons needs and behaviors, 
Um, and then they included in their report the uh, Episcopal Community Services Healthy and Aging Model of Care that was released just before the pandemic began. Um, and I think we're continuing those discussions and we're hoping to meet further um, on the report. There were a couple of changes the, the group wanted. So very lively discussions at our last two meetings, um, which was uh, and then a very engaged group. So um, we have lots to, we had lots to say. So are there any questions? So thank you, um, Mrs. Lawrence. Are there any questions or comments from commissioners regarding the advisory council report? I, uh, Commissioner Bittner, I'd seen you, your hand raised and it went down. I didn't know if you had any comments on, on the report. I do not. Okay. Any other comments? Well, I, I, I would just say that was extremely comprehensive of, of reporting out on two meetings. And um, thank you very much. Uh, and it seems like uh, there is progress being made with our supervisors uh, yes. to be fully staffed. So um, thank you for that, that update. Um, Secretary, our next item, please. Yes, commissioners, our next item is item eight, and that is our joint legislative report, also presented by Advisory Council President, Ms. Diane Lawrence. Okay, um, again, I'm combining two reports. It's pretty easy because we didn't, the Joint Ledge Committee did not meet in August. There was very little activity on any of the bills. Um, so there really wasn't that much to discuss. Uh, the changes in July, there were a number of little changes, which I'm, I'm not going to go into here, but I've detailed in the report bill by bill. A lot were language changes. Some were a bit substantive. Some have been made two-year bills. This, is, um, this was the first year of a two-year session. So we already are seeing some bills um, that, were, that have been put on the two-year status. And as we've spoken before, Many of the bills were placeholders for master plan funding. Um, so we'll see some consolidation. Our CSL, seniors, um, California Senior Legislature Representative, uh, pointed out that the, um, there wasn't a lot of activity in um, August. I think the, uh, getting the budget done um, took a lot. Um, we have one bill that it has been, uh, that was chaptered in July, and that's SB 258. And that bill basically added HIV status um, to the list of um, non-economic factors uh, to determine greatest social need uh, for services under the Older Californians Act. Um, and then as um, Executive Director Dearman um, pointed out, there's a lot of uh, work being done on the reauthorization of the Elder Justice Act. Um, and September 10th, so uh, before our next meeting, that will be the last day to pass any legislation for the year. And the governor, I believe, has until the end of the month uh, to do any, to sign or veto any of those, le any legislation that passes. Thank you, Ms. Lawrence. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the joint ledge report? 
Thank you so much for your report. Hearing none, we will move to the next item, um, Madam Secretary. Yes, and commissioners, the next item is item nine, the case report, and that will be presented by Daniel Gallagher. Good morning, commissioners, Executive, Executive Director Dearman. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you this morning. I'll, uh, I have some brief uh, comments. I did want to give an update on our uh, writing project. Um, you may recall this project where we are profile, profiling select agencies who have pivoted their services through the pandemic. Um, our oversight committee selected eight organizations to profile. You have the report in front of you um, in the areas of food security, health disparities, the digital divide, reframing aging, isolation, and then our last was the uh, diverse umbrella services. Um, so those agencies that were selected by a committee of three people were the behind a hand um, program for food security along with IT Bookman. Uh, health disparities uh, was Stepping Stone. The digital divide, the community tech network Reframing Aging Community Music Center, Isolation, 30th Street, and Self-Help for the Elderly, and uh, Community Living Campaign for Diverse Umbrella Services. And we hope there would be some emerging themes there because of the, the community uh, living campaigns services are so diverse um, and they do so much. We felt that um, it is well worth our while to highlight the diversity of their services. Um, I don't know if there's any questions about that writing project at the moment, um, or can hold that until the end of my report. Hold it to the end of your report. Okay, great. All the questions in. And then um, Dawson Case held a joint webinar on July 23rd um, to discuss the reopening of community programs for older adults and adults with disabilities in San Francisco um, in support of San Francisco's reopening plans. Um, and that, that event was geared towards uh, program and operations staff who oversee the implementation of the reopening other programs fortuitously we, uh, we said at the beginning of the meeting, especially the, uh, the emergency, the emergence of the Delta variant, um, that we would give an overview of mitigation efforts and best practices, um, but obviously uh, that the virus could interrupt, which it has to some degree. Um, but it was a it was a well attended uh, webinar, uh, probably anywhere from 40 to 45 organizations attended the webinar. It was informative um, and their, uh, the Curry Center and, and 30th Street of Unlock uh, presented their protocols their procedures and their mitigation efforts. And it was very um, informative and helpful. Case programming for um, this quarter in August, uh, Case held his annual advocacy campaign to brainstorm our advocacy efforts for fiscal year 23. 
uh, in September, we are holding a, we are having a presentation on aging and HIV. And in October, we'll be doing a training on ableism. And lastly, um, uh, as, as we partner with the service providers working group, uh, we are identifying some emerging needs that we hope will help inform the, the upcoming community needs assessment. Um, and those needs, and I think this is, these are needs that everybody experiences currently uh, where we are in the pandemic, the increasing needs and support of remote learning and telehealth, um, the challenges of hybrid work environments um, of both providing uh, uh, virtual programming and in-person in programming, the increasing urgency of vaccinations and ongoing testing uh, and, and providing education to our, to our participants and our, to our clients, <clears throat> um, service delivery suspensions and challenges for the, the future. I think many organizations have, have experienced some service delivery interruptions because of, uh, because of the pandemic. And certainly the staffing challenges that affect everybody um, with our ability to recruit and retain staff, uh, especially with the vaccine requirements. And, and I think that puts a lot of us in, um, in a difficult position um, in trying to make sure that we keep our, our participants and our clients safe, as well as our staff safe, and, and also trying to respect uh, people's individual choices as well. Um, transportation is, is an emerging need. Um, there are not enough uh, um, paratransit drivers right now to meet the demand and, um, and uh, we continue to work with paratransit on those issues. Social isolation, of course, has been uh, a need prior to the pandemic and the pandemic just increases that need and 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 obviously there is a need uh, for um, enhanced outreach um, to to uh, reach uh, folks that are isolated. Mental health issues are on the rise. Uh, we know that, um, and so we we really want to get back to the our advocacy effort on providing more mental and behavioral health to our clients. Uh, the digital divide advocacy continues that will continue through next year and beyond. And, um, and finally, the need for, for more case management. So those are the emerging needs that we have identified thus far. And again, we hope uh, these will help inform the, um, the community needs assessment that is upcoming. And that concludes my report. Once again, quite a bit going on. Um, are there any comments or questions from the commissioners? I do not see any. Um, Commissioner Scalar, you are off mute, or do you have any questions? No, I don't. Okay. I, I just have one. I think you, it was a good report. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that extensive report about what's going on. Um, I yeah. do have one question, 
and this is regarding the writing report and the organizations that are going to be highlighted. Um, is there a timeline for when that will be completed or what is yeah, we, It's been extended a little bit, huh? uh, quite frankly, but we hope to have the report uh, done by the end of November at this point. Um, it took us, there, there were some interruptions with it, quite frankly, and, and really too just to the the emergence of the, the Delta variant hmm. slows some things down, but we do have we do have a project coordinator on board now. That is Judy Goddess, and um, Judy was one of the people on the oversight committee that helped select the the agencies that were profiling, and those interviews have started. Great. So Great. we're we're on our way. Look forward to hearing the details about each of these. Um, stellar organizations that are in community. Thank you. And thank you, Mr. Gallagher, for your report. Madam Secretary, um, please call the next item. Yes, and commissioners, the next item is item 10, public comment. It's an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, we do have a caller on the queue. Uh, we'll be transferring over. Thank you, Justin. And hello, caller. Your three minutes begin now. Hello, caller, are you able to hear us? Sorry, Madam Secretary, we're I'm having a little technical difficulty in- uh... Hi, everyone. Oh. Can you hear me now? There we are. <laughs> yes, we <Sorry>. can. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. It was telling me I, I was muted. Um, hi, everyone, this is Jessica Lehman with Senior and Disability Action. Um, it's good to see you all, even if by Zoom. Um, and I had a, a couple comments. One is I just wanted to add my appreciation for Sarah Hofferberg. Um, who I have really been delighted to uh, work with over the last couple years or few years now, I guess. Um, I think she she really understands senior and disability issues and particularly as DOS works to understand disability and ableism better. I think Sarah brings so much knowledge and experience and insight to that. So um, I, I was really glad to see you all honor her today. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention um, was that so many more disabled people and seniors have actually been able to participate in city meetings and commissions um, because of remote participation options, either by video or phone. And we know, of course, that not being able to come in person has been challenging and the, the, the lack of digital equity um, and access has made it difficult for so many to participate that way. But, um, you know, it's been amazing to see our own SBA members, seniors and disabled people really get on Zoom and start to um, learn how to use computers often for the first time because of the necessity. And for so many disabled people and seniors where it is really hard to come out in person either because of home care issues or transportation or medical appointments or whatever, being able to just log in from one's home and share input has been huge for increasing our community's participation. 
Um, and so not only um, we from Senior and Disability Action, but a group of folks from CADA, the Community Alliance of Disability Advocates, um, are going to be sending a letter to the city today. And, and we'll, of course, CC DOS um, really asking for continued uh, video and phone options for participation in all city um, city and county commissions, hearings, and meetings so that we can continue to make sure that seniors and people with disabilities are heard. So um, we hope that, that you all will support this effort and we look forward to working with you um, as the city figures out how to do hybrid options so that we can all be heard. Thank you. And thank you, Ms. Lehman. Uh, moderator, are there any other callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no other callers in the queue. And thank you, moderator. That concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. And we can move on to item 11. Commissioners, your next item is item 11, old business. Please indicate by raising your hand if there is any old business that you would like to discuss. No. Okay. I was looking around, <laughs> checking for that. Seeing none, I'll hand it over to Vice President Spears to call the next item. Commissioners, the next item is item 12, new business. Items A through D are action items that require a vote by the commission. Item A will be our first. Requesting authorization to enter into a new contract agreement with Resource Development Associates for the provision of Dignity Fund Comprehensive Needs Assessment during the period of September 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2022 in the amount of $249,955,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $274,950. And Melissa McGee will present this item. And I'm here. Hey. Okay. Good morning, Vice President Spears, Commissioners, Executive Director Gearman. My name is Melissa McGee. I'm a program manager with the Office of Community Partnerships at DOS. I'm here today to ask your approval to enter into contract with Resource Development Associates to conduct the Dignity Fund and Community Needs Assessment. As you know, on November 8, 2016, San Francisco voters approved Proposition I, an amendment to the Charter of the City and County of San Francisco. This amendment established a fund to support older adults and adults with disabilities and includes an annual contribution, as well as establishes a planning process for expenditures. This is referred to as the Dignity Fund. Among the activities required by the Dignity Fund legislation is completion of a community, a comprehensive community needs assessment every four years. The first needs assessment was completed in fiscal year 1718, and we are now readying to complete the next uh, Dignity Fund community needs assessment during fiscal year 21-22. The goal of this community needs assessment is to develop qualitative and quantitative data sets to identify areas of unmet need and to support DAS's strategic decision-making. The Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment process will provide for extensive community engagement and outreach, which will include community forums, key informant interviews, focus groups, and community surveys. 
Reports resulting from this project will include development of equity metrics and gaps analysis. The culmination of this effort will be a comprehensive report that will support the development of the service and allocation plan, which will inform allocation decisions beginning in fiscal year 22-23. A draft of the community needs assessment will be completed by March 1, 2022, and the final by April 1st at which time it will be submitted to the commission. Per the legislation, a public hearing will be held in April with input from commission due by May 1st, 2022. The project has a final completion date of June 30th, 2022. I'm happy to answer any questions. Are there any comments or questions from the commissioners? Uh, I just have one question. So it's this, this, this is the same firm that we use for the first needs assessment. Is that correct? It is. Yes. Oh, great. So there's some history here yes. that will be brought forward. And are there any uh, major changes that we should be um, aware of between the last community assessment and this one? Um, there aren't many, there aren't any major, major changes. I mean, they will take the, you know, it, turned out, you know, they were selected by a panel. It was beneficial, I think, that the incumbent again won the award. So they'll be looking at their previous project plan and making sort of changes to that. But there won't be any major changes. We, um, you know, we'll have more information to provide the more current data and information. But other than that, it'll be a similar process. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on item A? I'm not from the public, but can I comment? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Commissioner Bittner. I did not uh, see your hand. Please go. Yeah, I wanted to comment on the last item, but you didn't. But you apparently did not um, I wanted to comment on the last item, but apparently you didn't see me. And for this item, for this particular item. For this particular item. I wanted to know um, what kind of outreach to stakeholders will be done. I wanted to know what kind of outreach to stakeholders will be done. You know, to get a very diverse group of stakeholders. To get a very uh, diverse group of stakeholders. Yeah, that, um, you know, that's a, a initial focus of the project and the project launch. We want to do extensive outreach. So previously, and it will be similar, you know, we reached out to all our, um, you know, uh, community-based organizations, of course, all um, other organizations and groups that were connected with. We reached out to the Board of Supervisors um, individually to have them reach out to their constituents because there may be a number, there obviously are a number of people that we are not, um, uh, you know, currently connected with um, the community forums were held in each of the supervisors districts with the supervisors attending. So they were instrumental in getting a lot of people 
to attend. Um, and then all the different, you know, it's really sort of blanketing the community and all the different um, organizations of both older adults and adults with disabilities um, to get the word out. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Any other questions? Okay, Vice President Spears, if you'd like, I can move to public comment for us on agenda oh, item A. I was talking to mute. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there we are. It wouldn't have been a meeting without saying that at least once. So, <laughs> are there any other comments from commissioners before moving to the public? No. Okay. So now, Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to to comment on item A. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item A, and we will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Okay, thank you, moderator. This will conclude the members of the public that wish to address this commission item or this the commission under this item. Uh, uh, Vice President Spears, you may carry forward here. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion from the commissioners? So there's a motion move. from Commissioner Young and a second from Commissioner Scalar. Madam Secretary, please take the roll call vote to approve item A. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Young, how do you vote? I think we're on mute. That's a yes, I see. Okay. <laughs> and Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Thank you. That is a unanimous vote. Thank you. Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item B and also requires a vote by the commission. Review and approval of FY 2021 and 2022 California Department of Aging Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program Education, SNAP at ED, contract SP 2022-06 with the amount of $126,817 and all subsequent amendments. Approval of modifications of community services grant with self-help for the elderly to include the SNAP-ED funding and activities. And Ms. Tiffany, Tiffany Kearney will present this item. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners and executive director Dearman. Uh, I'm the lead nutritionist for DOS, and I'm presenting for um, your review and approval our California Department of Aging SNAP-Ed contract administered by Self-Help for the Elderly. Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program Education, also known as SNAP-Ed, is an evidence-based program under CalFresh. It promotes healthy and active lifestyles through nutrition education, health promotion, and policy improvement. SNAP-Ed also includes physical activity programming. Through SNAP-Ed, our nutrition partners can provide information and resources for healthy eating 
and physical activity tailored to the needs and interests of the clients they serve. As an example, last year, a, a popular SNAP-Ed nutrition education topic was food safety uh, focused on uh, takeout meals from congregate meal sites. The physical activity programs offered through our SNAP-Ed programming include Tai Chi, uh, Walk with Ease, and um, Bingo Size. Last year, Self-Help offered these programs uh, through virtual platforms. Uh, this year, they plan to offer the programs outdoors um, as allowed by city health orders until the pandemic recedes. Um, thank you very much and uh, for your time and consideration, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. Are there any questions or comments from the commissioners for uh, this particular item? I see none and hopefully I haven't missed anyone. Um, will you, um, Madam Secretary, will you see if there are any public comments? Absolutely. Item, item B as in boy. Agenda item B, wonderful. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item B and we will allow some time for our callers to submit their requests. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you, moderator. This concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. So hearing, hearing no further requests to speak on this item, we will close the public comment. Is there a motion from the commissioners? So there's a motion from Commissioner Jung, and may I have a second? Second. And a second from Commissioner Scalar. Madam Secretary, will you please take the roll call vote for item B? Vice President Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Butner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Jung, how do you vote? I'm thinking that's a yes as well. And Commissioner Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. The vote is unanimous. Thank you. Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item C and also requires a vote by the commission. Requesting authorization to modify the existing grant with Southwest Community Corporation for the provision of the community services program during the period of July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $125,280 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $1,027,022. Uh, Ms. Lauren McCaslin will present this item. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Lauren McCaslin, and I'm a Program Analyst with DOS. We're seeking your approval to modify this grant with Southwest Community Corporation for the provision of community services programming. Southwest Community Corporation provides community services to older adults and adults with disabilities through their IT Bookman Community Center. 
The COVID-19 pandemic brought significant disruption to IT Bookman's participants who rely on their center for programs and services. A need that was identified early on in the pandemic was additional nutrition support that was culturally appropriate for their community services participants. As a result, IT Bookman established a dinner program that serves a culturally competent daily hot meal to community services participants who because of COVID-19 are sheltering in place or need additional nutrition support. Meals are delivered to the home of each participant five days a week and the menu incorporates a variety of cuisines to meet the program participants' cultural and meal preferences. Not only has IT Bookman received many letters from participants thanking them for the dinner program, it has also helped them stay connected to their participants while they're staying at home. This modification is one-time only funding to continue to provide this dinner service to community services participants through December 2021. I'm happy to answer any questions you have at this time. Are there any questions from the commissioners? Seeing Commissioner Zhang, um, you have the floor. Okay, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Um, I just have a, a, a minor question. So basically, this is a grant modification just for the dinner program. Is that correct? So it uh, is for their community services program, but it's specifically for the dinner program within community service. Okay. I just have a real, maybe just a, a, a error on, on the document, but um, under service objectives, section um, seven, table B, um, in, it shows the uh, number of consumers and the number of meals. Mm -hmm. And it notes for the first uh, from January through June, it, uh, and it's the same number of consumers, but the number of meals are very different. Can you kind of explain that? Yes, definitely. Um, so the meal program was established in that first six months, mm -hmm. and uh, IT Bookman did not have a meal program before that. So within those six months, they needed to establish that program, which meant they needed to hire meal program staff, um, ensure they had proper kitchen equipment, develop a menu that met nutrient requirements, um, and receive a health permit. In addition to that, they had a startup period to reach the 120 participants. So um, there was, you know, it didn't start exactly right at that six months. It took a while for the program to begin, um, but by the end of the six months, they did serve the 120 participants. And so for this new six months, this is an accurate reflection of how many meals they would serve for a complete six month period. Okay. All right, thank you. Thanks for clarifying. Are there other questions from the commissioners regarding this item? Seeing and hearing none. Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? on agenda item C. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item C, and we will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. And do we have any callers in the queue? 
Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you, moderator. This concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. So hearing no further requests to speak on this item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion? Commissioners. There's one from Commissioner Young. So moved. And a second by Commissioner Sikalar. Um, Madam Secretary, will you please take the roll call vote for item C? Yes, Vice President Spears. How do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. The vote was unanimous. Thank you, and, and thank you, Mrs. McClaskin, for your report on this item. Commissioners, our next order of business is agenda item D and also requires a vote by the commission. Review and approve FY21-22 CDA area plan budget associated contract AP2122-06 and all subsequent am amendments. Uh, Mr. Michael Zog will present this item. Uh, good morning, Commissioners, uh, Executive Director Dearman. I am Mike Zog, Program Director for uh, the Office of Community Partnerships. Uh, all right, uh, uh, item D, our uh, area plan contract. I think this was a 98-page packet, which I had to subject you guys to to review. And this is unfortunately one that has gotten a little bit complicated um, due to some technical issues with the contract document. So what I'm going to try to do here is is kind of talk you through what we're doing and, and how everything stands and then and then see if I can answer questions and get everyone comfortable with what, what the department is seeking to do here. Um, you know, we, uh, DOS um, has about a half dozen or so contracts with the California Department of Aging. Um, we saw the SNAP-Ed contract earlier on today's um, agenda. These are contracts which allow us to access state and federal funding that we in turn typically turn around and use to um, fund programs uh, in the community. Um, the area plan contract is our big one. Um, this funds um, our Older Americans Act programs. Um, and we see uh, this year, and it's, it's presented to us annually, um, and the dollar amounts um, change annually based on um, based on funding available, as well as um, a number of factors that they weigh, including population and demographic items um, in how the California Department of Aging allocates funding across the state. Um, so it's done annually. Um, and, in, and, in my, and in my memo, um, I referenced a very handy document, which is a comparison from year to year. Um, a great document that our um, fiscal team, uh, or our budget team rather, um, puts together, and an item that I forgot to include amongst the 98 pages that have been submitted to the commission. So I'm going to highlight that really quickly. I'm also going to offline connect with um, uh, Commission Secretary about um, submitting that additional document to you um, after. Uh, and having it um, posted as well on the website so people can, can see that. But taking a look at from year to year, from last year to this year, um, in, uh, in Older Americans Act funding is broken down into different titles or program areas. 
Um, in the 3B supportive service areas, so this is transportation, legal services, and our short-term um, home care program, uh, we're seeing an additional $94,000 or 94,373. In our ombudsman program, we're actually seeing a decrease of $4,412. Um, in congregate nutrition, we are seeing a very large uh, decline of $467,224. That is a very large decline. Let's put a, put a flag in that one for a second. We're gonna come back to that. Um, home delivered meals, a decline of $289. Um, our disease prevention, Title 3D, our disease prevention and, and health promotion, a decline of $3,055. Um, our family caregiver program, uh, part of Title 3E, an increase this year of $40,383. Um, our elder abuse prevention program, uh, a decline of $112. Um, and administrative, we are um, able to and ask to take some um, fees for administration, um, which covers part of the salaries of a number of staff um, INDOS who work um, on um, um, these programs, um, a decline of $17,388. Um, for the most part, anytime we see increases, um, those dollars are used to, um, are invested back into those programs either to expand, typically to expand or reinforce programming. Um, and when there's enough funding to even um, create new um, services within those programs. Um, the majority of things, the items, the small amounts that of, of decreases here are not going to result in um, any uh, reduction of services um, or other impacts for agencies or clients. Um, uh, generally, these are, are, are very small amounts. Um, and as I'll get to in a moment, we will see some additional funding coming in um, in the next month as um, the California Department of Aging closes out all the fiscal stuff from last year and, and is able to move some money forward into the in through our amendment process. So the big one is that um, that 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 huge decline in congregate nutrition. Um, and that was a big surprise when we saw it and we took a look at it and we realized that um, there was a miscalculation statewide um, in how they calculated um, the funding for that. We brought it to the California Department of uh, Aging's attention um, and to their credit, they recognized the issue and admitted um, that there needed to be a correction. Um, they um, unfortunately declined to update this current document um, with, that, with that information. Um, they have asked us to, stating that they will, through the amendment process, um, when they issue additional funding, they will correct at that time um, and give us an updated figure with that, that funding so we can truly understand what that impact is of that funding. Um, at the time that this packet was submitted to the commissioners on Thursday, um, I had was going to come to you. We, we talked with our city attorney. We went back and forth with the California Department of Aging. Um, we felt that our best option at this point and was to come to the commission and ask for your approval um, to execute this contract with the incorrect uh, dollar amount with the idea that we would continue to monitor the situation to see what, what would happen. 
lo and behold, I, I send you 98 pages on a Thursday and on Friday, um, the California Department of Aging has issued some preliminary guidance um, about that um, amendment. Um, and it that amendment, um, we don't have all the facts and figures yet, but it looks like it is going to send us a significant increase of additional funding, um, including a correction of that, um, that congregate nutritional um, uh, number to make us whole or, or very close to whole so that we do not see any um, impact um, on that service. There are additional funds that um, the California Department of Aging is um, going to include in that amendment, bringing in an additional approximately $1.1 million. Um, and what I am proposing to do is um, at a future uh, commission, perhaps as soon as October, um, I will be back with an informational um, item where I can review um, the additional funding um, that has come to us and what that means in, in all of this bigger picture. Um, so I think I'm almost through my, my spiel um, here, but I think in, in, in sort of in sum, I bring you an imperfect document uh, seeking your approval. Um, but I with that, I bring the assurance that um, uh, these the decreased number in congregate nutrition, um, we have a path to fix that. Um, and we do not see um, any impact um, or, or project any impact to, to that service over the course of the next year. Okay, that is quite a bit. And I, I know I have a set of questions, but I will defer to my colleagues first and then uh, see if they come up. Um, are there questions from the commissioners um, on this um, extensive report of, of uh, taking us <laughs> through the 98 pages in record time to understand how it was put together and where we stand at this moment. Are there questions from the commissioners? Okay, so Michael, I just have a few questions because sure. I, I was trying to make sure I was following. Um, will there be, um, is the only miscalculation on the con congregate meal part of the contract with the state? Is that where the error has occurred? Yes, that is the that is the only error that we we have found. Yes. Okay, and then you made mention that there would be additional funding uh, that would be coming from the state after, in the in the future. Will that impact all of the line line items or just the congregate meal portion when additional one point one million dollars comes in? You know. Um, in all likelihood, it is going to impact all lines um, and, and result in an increase. Um, they have sent us um, the preliminary guidance they have sent us um, shows about $1.1 million coming to the department um, with about $600,000 going to nutrition, just nutrition. The, the, the balance, $500,000, has not been um, broken out into which title it would be. Um, so in theory, um, it could all go to one or two, but I, I would project that we will see net increases across the board. And so when this item comes back before the commission in October, November timeframe, will we need to approve those amendments for the additional 1.1 or will that just be an informational share to the commission at that time? 
Yeah, so historically what we do is, is it's very common for um, California Department of Aging contracts to be amended once or even twice through the year. And typically that means adding um, some extra dollars. Uh, when we come to commission at the first time for presentation, we seek your authorization now for um, approval of any subsequent amendments. That way, when we're doing our behind the scenes paperwork and execution, we can point to the minutes from today's meeting and say, the commissioners have already um, given us that approval. That, that gives us some administrative efficiency. I think that whenever there is, um, I, I forget if we come to the commission informationally on every amendment, but absolutely ones that are of note or particularly of controversy. Um, I think it is our responsibility to to come and let you know uh, what's what's going on with that. So um, certainly with this upcoming amendment, it will come to you. It will it will not require a vote, um, but it's something we can we can discuss with the commission, update you, and get your feedback. Great. That's that's wonderful. And then my last question is, I'm trying to connect some additional dots. Um, so in uh, Executive Director Dearman's report, she was speaking of the changes that are happening at the federal level and things that are going through Congress, etc. When yeah. would we see, I'll call it a result of that within the state, i.e. then down to us um, here in San Francisco, assuming especially around elder abuse and things of that nature that we're talked about in, in, in Executive Director Dearman's report? It can take it can take a while. Is that um, years I mean, or is that? <laughs> uh, it, it less, I would put it as, as less than a year. I would put it at, at months typically. Um, I'm trying to recall, you know, the, the, the Family First uh, Coronavirus Relief Act, sort of the, the original one that was passed and was that in February or March of, of 2020, we got to the commission. We saw those dollars, I think, by summer of 2020. Um, okay. I can tell you that, you know, the ARPA funding, the American Recovery Plan Act, which I think Biden signed in January, um, that is not, that has, that is just about, we're going to see Older Americans Act dollars uh, for that, um, but that is just coming up to us. So in the next month or two, so that's, so that's one where we're talking, you know, nine, okay. nine months before it reached us. So right. Very, I suspect very it may vary based on size and complexity, but, but yeah. Very, very helpful. Thank you so much. Um, Madam Secretary, are there any comments from, or are there any comments, additional comments from the commission first? Okay. Um, Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on item, agenda item D. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item D, and we will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. And do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you, moderator. And that concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. Hearing no further requests to speak on this item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item D? I move. 
So moved by Commissioner Jung. A second by We have a second from the commissioners. Second. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Scalar. Madam Secretary, please, please take the roll call vote to approve item D. Certainly. Vice President Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. The vote was unanimous. Thank you, and thank you, Mr. Zog, for uh, taking something very complex and boiling it down so we could follow. And uh, we appreciate uh, your diligence in this matter. Um, I am now at, uh, are there any announcements um, for the commission um, in general? This is item 14 on the agenda. Are there any announcements from the commission? See any? So I will take it that we will adjourn and meet again in October. Thank you all for your patience as I conducted my first meeting. Um, and I look forward to seeing everyone in October. And thank you for the wonderful assistance from Justin and also uh, Commission Secretary um, Jasmine. And have a wonderful rest of the day. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs>